0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, startups, uh, events around e-commerce, you name it. Today's guest Uh, is a friend and an absolute Amazon powerhouse. And before I make that introduction, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. Without further ado, Kevin King,
1: welcome to the show. What's up, Andrew? How you doing, man? Good to be here.
0: Fantastic. I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show. We had a great time uh, chatting it up on the AMPM podcast, Um, getting into my story a little bit. And I'm hoping today uh, we can get into yours. I know I've obviously heard a lot about you and seen you in the space. I've been in the space about 12 years and uh, you've got me beat. So, uh, you know, excited to get into that and excited to share kind of with the startup hustle community, um, you know, what you've been doing the last 20 years in e-commerce um the things you're doing today the things you're working on the things you're uh r&d in the r&d budget um and i know you've got things going on um you know all over the place all the way down to uh nfts i believe and projects around that so we we won't be able to cover it all today but i'm hoping we can get into at least a part one of who kevin king is um and what you're doing so welcome to the show
1: Um, i'm glad to be here man yeah i've been doing this uh i've been I've been selling my whole life. As my father says, I, I came out of the womb selling. Uh, so okay. when I was like, when I was like three years old, I was going to the grocery store with my mom and buying bubble gum. You know, back then it was like one cent. But that's like, you know, that big mm-hmm. sugary bubble gum that blows a big bubble. Um, bazooka bought, or like, yeah, something, one of those. yeah. But you, that you could get them individually wrapped back then. I, I don't know if you still can now. Do they, they have, have the comic sh- in on the inside yeah, of the wrapper? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bazooka. Like a little. That's bazooka. Okay, it's a bazooka. Okay. Yeah, you could buy those for like a penny or two cents or something. This was, you know, seventies, and I would take them back and I'd set up a little shop in the uh, garage and sell them to the neighborhood kids for a nickel. At like three, four years old, I, I was so I've been I've been not, and all the way through high school and uh, through you know, grade school and high school, middle school, I was I was selling something, slinging, uh, hustling, doing slinging. something. and I was did picking you, up. Where do you think you got that from? I don't know. My dad is the most conservative, no risk type of person, uh, not entrepreneur at all, worked for the government. Uh, and then my mom, she's a little bit more risky, but I I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of rebellion against, uh, uh, my father or something like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be controlled. So I was picking up cans on the side of the road, throwing newspapers, uh, painting street numbers on people's, uh, curbs for their address, uh, doing sell, buying, uh, Doing my own Casey Kasem top 10 list of uh, music and then having taken to school and having people say which album do you want oh I want uh, the queen uh, another one bites the dust and have my mom take me to the record store buy it bring it the next day and mark it up a dollar and sell it to the kids anything but so I'm in my 50s now I have not worked for anybody since I was 17 so the last oh, time I actually got a paycheck or a what do you call it w9 or w2 whatever it's called uh was uh when I was delivering pizzas at around 17, 18 years old. Okay, so where so, were
0: you in the world at 17?
1: Dallas, in the Dallas area.
0: You're in the Dallas I area. I grew up in the uh, in
1: Dallas area. I live in, live in Austin now. Yeah, I went to Texas A&M, graduated from Texas A&M, then moved to Austin, slept on the couch with some buddies for about a year, slinged T-shirts on the UT campus. Um, we, we got uh, one of my buddies was in the engineering school, and so we got permission. if We donated a certain percentage of the profits as a fundraiser uh, to uh, the engineering program, uh, we could sell on the campus. So we would sell, you know, during football season, football shirts, you know, whatever team was coming in that weekend, sell something that's, you know, bad mouthing them uh, in a way or whatever. And then we would do game football games and the football games, you get a hundred. Well, back then, I think it's like 80,000 people coming to the stadium. And so we'd set up tables at strategic high traffic places as people are walking in from the parking lot and sell, sell shirts for 10, 15 bucks a piece. The first time it. we did, first time we did it, we sold I don't know four or five thousand dollars on a game. You know, which when you're 22 and sleeping on a couch uh, at your mm-hmm. buddy's house, you know, three other roommates, uh, that's you know that's good money. But Rent then we got an idea it's like or something, you know. Yeah, but uh, but then we were like, you know what? This is uh, this idea is is good, but people are there's such a crowd. Nobody, everybody can't see our table. So these guys, my buddies in it were engineers. So they developed this catapult system. Like they mil- built it out of wood. It would fold completely down and then fold completely up after we transported it. And then we would hang the shirts high up in the sky, you know, like on a, on a clothes line high up. So everybody walking, you could see see them. And our sales went from three or $4,000 a game to 20 to $30,000 a game. Wow. Uh, and there's like six or seven home games. Uh, and so we were, we were cleaning up and then that evolved into a whole bunch of other, other stuff. I, I, I was involved in the internet. I was selling on the internet back in 95. Uh, what does selling on my, the
0: internet look like in 95?
1: It was tough, man. It was, there wasn't all these shopping cart systems. You were having to know HTML and plug it in. Um, I, I still, to this day, the processor that I had a processor to pr- run the credit cards, uh, it's a company called plug and pay. You know, there's a bunch of them out there now. Um, Most people probably never heard of them, but they were around. They were one of the first in like 94. And I remember I was having a call that got my sales rep from plug and pay and say, how do you FTP into the server? How do I change this? How do I fix this? And he was like my mentor or whatever. And he was just helping me for free because we were running some serious numbers. So I I had no idea. So What what
0: were you selling at that time?
1: Uh, we were selling a base, uh, baseball cards featuring hot chicks And then, uh, and then, uh, calendars, uh, and then, uh, we, that evolved into, a a company, uh, that we were doing, uh, a daily email, 250,000 people a day. I think subscription, uh, subscription emails right now are a hot topic. Uh, and, uh, and it's nothing new. We were doing this 20 years ago and we had built it up to 250,000. We were on the Howard Stern show all the time when, when he wasn't on, uh, before he went to satellite. So it would blow up our server. This is back when servers cost, you know, a T one line, which is slower than what most people have in their house right now. was $3,500 a month. And a server was you know, three, four or five grand for a basic little server. And it would blow up our server every time we we're on Howard Stern, because he would plug us. And we would have to literally have someone at the, at the uh, facility actually flipping the switch to turn it back on. Wow. We that's incredible. Thousands, thousands of signups every time we had a, a model or somebody on uh, Howard Stern. So it was a, uh, we built that into a business. We did a lot of television production. We did a lot of travel all over. Um, shots things for uh, Playboy TV, for pay-per-view television. Not this is not porn. I mean, I'm saying pretty girls. So the first thing that comes to people's minds. Oh, it's, it's not porn. It's like Sports Illustrated swimsuit mm-hmm. model type of stuff. And then we have a count. We developed a calendar line out of that. We still I still do that today. We still do that today. We have a annual set of calendars that go us out. Sells on Amazon. Sells on in stores um sells uh, you know we wholesale those out to calendars.com stuff like that and then I started uh selling on dabbling on Amazon 2001 and we were selling the calendars so we set up a account called an advantage account and it was kind of like a consignment account kind of like a first party consignment account so we would send in they would tell us we need 200 calendars you know today we sell that in a day but back then 200 would carry you through the season <laughs> on Amazon um, and then they only paid us for what they sold. And then they would send back the rest. And it was only for books, media, and DVD. And then I was selling, I was using Amazon to sell some of the stuff in our office, you know, instead of eBay, you know, if I had a, a printer or something or an old hard drive or whatever, I wanted to get rid of it I, where it says sell yours on Amazon. I would click that. scan the UPC. and Scan it and sell it. Um, you know, I remember when PayPal first came out, they were offering $10 per subscription. So we actually used our list and like, said, Hey, this new thing called PayPal, you should sign up for an account. If you, uh, we'll, we'll start taking it and you get, we got, you get $10 just for signing up and we get $10 for giving the lead. And so we made a ton of money off of PayPal, trying to get the word out. Uh, I remember before I was selling stuff before Google existed back when Alta Vista and Yahoo. And, All right. Uh, so pause there. I got Lycos. Some
0: questions you got to pause. Yeah. I got some questions. So number one, um. So in, let's say, 95, I would have been nine years old, going on 10. I was in computers. So I'm a, I'm a little bit your junior. I'm mid-30s. But I was early on computers. Like, my dad mm-hmm. was building them at home. Uh, I lived in Africa, Moscow, different places like that, where I had a ton of time, too. So, you know, computers were super expensive. To have something in your house, you were building it, like, if... if you know, you could, get it, you could get a lot better computer if you built it yourself. And there weren't laptops, right. really. So, you know, dad was always building them. And he also worked at PayPal for a time. Uh, I mean, I'm oh, here really? in Kansas City, but he drove to Nebraska in the early days of PayPal. I think it was in Omaha. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he worked at PayPal in the early days. So I was aware of PayPal at a young age, right? Aware of eBay. Dad was selling stuff on eBay, buying and selling cars because uh, we would... We'd go to Africa on these trips, but he would, when we'd be back, he'd be like raising a bunch of money, finding a way to flip money, flip cars, flip houses, you know, a short amount of time, kind of get money together and then go back over. And while these weren't like, they didn't turn to actual businesses, it was still making me very aware of the internet, aware of technology, aware of marketplaces at a very like early age. I feel like uh, in comparison to like a lot of the rest of the world, Uh, you know, and so Amazon was was not really on my radar until a little bit later, but eBay selling stuff on Craigslist when it came out, um, you know, understanding, like I was hacking a satellite in Kinshasa that, uh, the telecom, you know, because they were holding back my speeds and I was, you know, trying to get better (laughs) speeds. And we were, uh, back then we were hacking the back into porn sites actually is how you would, uh, share files back then yeah. you kind of have uh-huh. like a hundred images they'd be rare files rar files or you know r01 r02r3 uh-huh. something like that I'd combine them all and turn them into turn them into games turn them into um turn them into movies turn them into TV shows and I'd sell those you know those hacked versions of games or something like that uh or just simply to get access because I couldn't get access in Africa and I was you know I was bored so just relating a little bit to even being a little bit behind you but like encountering these things as they came out you're ahead
1: of you you're ahead of the game yeah for
0: sure sure. especially at at that age so i'm just thinking about like the internet and the time like you know it was we used to download our emails onto a floppy disk in 2001 i was in africa at the time but like just to be on the internet was so expensive that you downloaded all of your emails onto a floppy took them home took your time to read them respond to them maybe put it in a word doc then went back to the internet you know plugged in and and sent your emails. It was kind of when like Yahoo was first coming out, or I I remember getting a Yahoo email address at that time in 2001. But I have a question around, okay, so you guys, you've always been selling, you always had this mentality to sell, you know, and and you do t-shirts. And what's interesting is my first brand was, was Kansas city apparel. So, uh, chiefs, Royals, all that kind of stuff, um, ended up getting a season assist for one of my designs, even though I was super careful, ended up slinging them at the, at the, tailgates you know of the games because yeah, I, I couldn't I've, sell I, I've them anymore I've done
1: online that. i've done that too so i'm like well i, I got, got t- in trouble i, I got in trouble similar with the simpsons when the simpsons first came out uh 1990 89 90 somewhere around in there this is when the simpsons came out we had a uh, my roommate in college had a buddy in new hampshire that was making simpsons t-shirts you know unlicensed mm-hmm. uh, and you know funny sauce and we would set up in the the uh the, at texas a&m we'd set up in the student center get a little table you know say we're doing a fundraiser for some group or whatever um and sell the heck out of these these shirts and then we took it to where like hey we're selling good here why don't we take this on let's take a road trip we want to drink some beer and see some chicks at other schools so we actually loaded a whole bunch of these in the back of a station wagon me and one guy and we drove from texas to louisiana to went to like lsu and any school in louisiana then we went to auburn and alabama florida florida state uh, anywhere we could go and we would put up, go and put up flyers in the, in the dorm rooms at the end of the staircases. And those where you tear off a piece of paper and you call and it had an 800 mm-hmm. number on it. And back in Texas, we had a, someone sitting, uh, a special phone in the apartment where, for this 800 number and anybody they would call, they would call and we one of our the roommates would answer, Hey, this is a Simpsons or us or whatever the hell we called it. Yeah, I'd like to get two of the shirts. So they take their credit card over the phone and like process it by hand, or actually on one of those sheets of paper. Back then, you didn't even you wrote it on a sheet of paper uh, and turn it into the bank like you would a check. And then they call us each day and say, "Hey, you got 18 deliveries. You got this dorm, this dorm." And we were like holed up in a Motel Six or something. And we did that for like a month. Wow! Uh, just excuse to make a road trip, have some fun, and see some different places. I mean, so I love that story. we, we got a cease and assist, just like you, from somebody out at Kansas City. Uh, actually, really? coincidentally, yeah, the, I guess the the company that owned the rights or licensing rights or whatever was out of Kansas City, and uh, yeah, that scared the bejesus out of us when we got that. So we we just quit. Now, nothing ever happened with it. We just like, sorry, we're throwing everything away. Don't ship us anymore. Uh, we're we're good. Uh, so yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. So okay. So you're early on so one thing i think about being like a, a front runner is that there isn't really a model to look at you're not looking at other sites crushing it you're not looking at a helium 10 or a jungle scout and saying hey a bunch of people are selling uh homer simpson shirts or they're selling texas shirts and don't hold this against me but my family's from uh, claremore oklahoma so uh we're sooner's fans i grew up as a sooner fan but i'm an, uh, I'm an aggie i'm an aggie under- living
1: in austin behind yeah, the orange curtain here so. so
0: you know you know we you both know. hate texas it's all love we both hate texas we yeah both, we both hate texas uh, i was i was the only oklahoma fan in austin recently at a texas uh watching a texas game and oklahoma I had oh. a big comeback and i just like had to be real quiet like just <laughs> yeah. just like i'm excited yep. we won you know uh well, i love anyway. it here
1: I, I listen i listen to local radio during the football season that's my big sport and i love to listen i don't to, to hear when they, they lose, when tech, the Longhorns lose in football season, I'll turn on the sports talk radio just to enjoy the misery. Just to enjoy it. That's <laughs> a real fan. I think that's a real Aggies fan.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I just want to give like kudos, I guess, essentially to like, you know, being, being a front runner, I feel like I was pretty much a front runner in the service side of Amazon industry. There wasn't a lot of agencies doing what I was doing. And, um, there's a big difficulty to that That was the first time I think I did something that was like truly novel and like, there wasn't really a roadmap and there hadn't been people doing it and you're figuring stuff out and, um, it's amazing. It's super fun, but it's also, there's a big challenge to it. And just everything you're talking about hadn't really been done. There weren't people saying, you know, sell, get on the Howard Stern show, use an influencer, uh, basically like, you know, or off Amazon Mm -hmm. marketing strategies and push, push sales and, um, you know, how to do it. And I think there's a lot of fun in that. It's true entrepreneurial, uh, stuff, but I want to, I want to jump. So you, you're, you're learning the web, doing calendars. you still have that business. You still continue to like, you know, produce calendars and stuff like that for, um, for Amazon, one of the brands that you've built. Um, but I, kn- I know just a little bit of your story. So I want to get into like where this production side like really grew, uh, I guess, like, you know, kind of going around shooting models, shooting stuff for the shoots. Is that really where you're like, well, let's create a business around production?
1: Oh, yeah. We we had a company, it's called Mystique. Uh, and we we actually, uh, me and a, a partner, the guy that produces my billion dollar seller summit, uh, he was a fashion photographer by trade, used to shoot like Cindy Crawford and all the top fashions do like high end fashion for Neiman Marcus and all that. He and I hooked up. I, I was actually, the way I hooked up with him was in 1991. Uh, right after I got out of college, I, I, I was always tr- an entrepreneur and I was like, you know what, I'm going to create these little care packages for college kids. So when they have an exams, uh, I'm going to create a little care package and I'd get the mailing list uh, from the schools because under the Texas Sunshine Act, you can get the actual list of people. It's public information. So I would go to the registrar's office at like UT say, give me a list of all the freshmen and sophomore students, their parents name and address. And I'd pay to have them put on little pill and stick labels, you know, and it cost me like 50 bucks. And then I would mail a flyer to them saying, Hey, finals are coming up. Uh, Get your kids, uh, uh, take care of your kids. We have these care packages. One's like all these junk food. One's like all this care, uh, healthy food. And we would go to Sam's and just buy all kinds of shit, put together in a box, and make it look a little nice and then go deliver it to them. But I need someone to take a picture to make this look good for the flyer. So I looked in the yellow pages, found this photographer. It turns out to be... Uh, yellow pages, yellow yeah, pages. Yeah, yellow pages, exactly. Uh, called him and, you know, then we're, he's shooting my candy and stuff. And then he's talking, I see on the wall, he's got a calendar of some pretty girls. I was like, you do that too? He's like, yeah. Um, and so from that day to this day, we still our partners in that calendar business, but we developed that into an entire line. We did hardcover coffee table books, like really high end, like Victoria's secret fashion type of really nice books that would sell for 50 to a hundred dollars. This is not, you know, this is not porno stuff. And then we would shoot pretty girls all over the world, you know, uh, you know, when you're 22, 23, 24, 25 years old, that's pretty cool to go, uh, you know, to some tropical. Sounds amazing beach. Every to me and I'm 36, so. <laughs> yeah, I, but it, especially it at that age, cool. when you have, don't, yeah. you know, you're, you're around uh, half naked women on a tropical beach, you know, it's every guy's dream. And so we turned that into a business where we had a membership website. Uh, we use that email list. That was just that email that I was just talking about a daily email that had jokes of the day, had news, had uh, games, it had all kinds of stuff in it to build an audience, uh, we would go on Howard, we had a publicist that got us on, she used to work for Hugh Hefner, so she got us on Howard Stern all the time, so that would blow up, you know, our our numbers. Uh, like you said, it's like, it, it, what's funny to me is like everything now that people think is new, the younger generation, the 20s and 30-year-olds, they think, oh, this influencer marketing, this is new, or subscription uh, emails, are new. nothing is new it's mm-hmm. we were doing this before it's just different and the technology repurposed. is different and it, it's repurposed and it's easier it's modified but we were doing this like like i never thought of it in the way that you just said using influencer but that's kind of like what howard stern was so we built that into uh we did a whole lot of products dvds we did little baseball cards that was a big thing at one point we did the calendars question uh, question then we, oh, then we did t- Alibaba, television, television i want to i want to
0: i want to get a little insight on some of this you got a lot to share okay so one building a 250,000 user email list, you just kind of breezed over that. Like we just did that. Like, you know, that's something that people can spend years doing. Number one, it might've been easier back then. I don't know, but not everyone had emails when the internet first came out. And then two, there is no Alibaba at this time, but you know, so how, like, you know, going from getting t-shirts made to getting like books and calendars and baseball cards and CDs and all that kind of stuff. Like, where did you, I guess, like, what was, just give me a little bit about how you went to source that? Like, how are you at a a young age figuring that out?
1: So the names, I mean, we would get them off how we go on Howard Stern with a model about every two months. Uh, and we would get five to 10,000 probably signups, uh, off of each of those. We did that like seven or eight times. So that's half of it right there. Okay. The other, the other half is just word of mouth. It's, we were doing a little bit of advertising back before there was Google, there was a company called go to.com and you could do one or two cent clicks. And, you know, we would do some of that. Some of it's just referrals we would Mm -hmm. have in our game, tell your buddies, you know? Um, and then we also made a partnership, probably the key one was with a company called BOMIS, B O M I S. And they were basically one of these back then there was what's called ring sites. Um, so you would go to one site and and at the bottom would be like a forward button and a back button. So you go to one site and it would be like, say it was a, a pretty, some pretty girl. And then the forward button would be like, go see another website of her as a pretty girl. The back button would be go to some other girl. And they're rings uh, is the way to get traffic and to kind of share traffic. It's before affiliates and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But Bomas was one of them. And we made a deal with them. And they had a lot of traffic. They had figured out the traffic. And they were getting a lot of traffic of people that liked. They figured you know pretty girls bring traffic. So let's put pretty girls. But they had all kinds of stuff on there. They had travel. They had. Everything. It just wasn't pretty girls, but the pretty girls were the lead. The same thing with all the cell phone carriers. We, we sold a lot of stuff to cell phone carriers in the beginning because they needed people to try their service. And the way to get people to try services is, was is put some pretty girls on there. So we sold a lot of our content, licensed it out. But Bomas ended up being, it was started by, have you ever heard the name Jimmy Wells? No. Uh, he's the founder of Wikipedia. Okay. Well, I know uh, what so, Wikipedia is. So before, before Wikipedia, he had Bomas. And he and another guy and I I would talk to Jimmy on the phone and I just remember one time his partner, this is, I don't know, late nineties, I think maybe or early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. I don't remember the exact time. He said, Hey, Jimmy's leaving the company. He's going to do this dictionary uh, encyclopedia kind of thing. I'm like, Oh, okay. That sucks. Uh, Good luck to him. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, you know, here's Wikipedia and he's the founder of Wikipedia. So he knew what he's doing. So we were able to leverage that. As far as the other question about Alibaba, yeah, there was no Alibaba back then. So it was and you couldn't Google, you know, manufacturers mm-hmm. of whatever. So I was literally going to the library at the University of Texas and because I live here in Austin and looking at the Thomas Register. They had a whole like series it's like an encyclopedia set of like thirty volumes. It's called the Thomas Register. And it would come out, I don't know if it's yearly or every quarter, uh, it get updated, but you could look in there. It's like a yellow pages, like a book. You know, you look by subject. I only a manufacturer. I need a printer that can do uh, embossed printing. So you look under printing slash emboss, and you flip to page 917 and it have a list of all the people around the U S that could do that. That still exists. I think online, I think they converted it all online now. I haven't touched it in a long time, but that's how I would find people or locally I would find somebody in the yellow pages, uh, or, you know, word of mouth, um, because we were printing calendars with pretty girls. A lot of printers wouldn't want to touch our stuff. They're like, we can't mm-hmm. have your calendar coming off the press with a, you know, a girl in lingerie when the local church is coming in to pick up their flyers, uh, you know, or something, or we can't have a chance. Yep. So we just don't touch it. So I had to find specialized printers. There's a ton of them in LA. Uh, so you get resourceful. Um, but the Thomas directory was probably the number one place and okay. then-
0: I would, I would have never guessed that because it's not something I knew of, but, um, you know, they say that it's not about what you can memorize anymore. It used to be like, you know, if what you could retain as facts, That was a level of your intelligence and like what you could regurgitate and quote. And, and now they say like, you know, the greatest skill is, is being able to know where to go for what, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. that's always been, that's always been the case, but, um, you know, back then it could be like you just knew this and you could go with it. Uh, you couldn't find information as fast as you can today. And now it's more so I don't need to memorize everything. I just need to know where to go I
1: think for what. I would take that one step further. I think you're you're right in what you're saying. But I think a greater skill is being able to execute. So many people may know where to go or have good ideas, but they can't execute. Execution mm. is what sets apart all the good entrepreneurs from the good ideas.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. And I don't necessarily mean ideas, more so like you want to get something made, you got to know where to go to find it. You want to, you know, even uh, I've been launching an apparel brand that's got, it's a little tongue in cheek, you know, it's a little bit of like frat boy kind of humor and and, uh, club kind of like apparel and uh, not going misogynistic, but just like a little tongue in cheek, right? A little humorous. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had three photographers cancel on me. Uh, you know, for the, they just saw kind of what the brand uh, was about and they didn't want to be a uh, part of it. They're woke, and, uh, woke
1: you
0: know, people. Yeah. Yeah. woke people, I guess. So I took the shots myself.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Society has definitely changed. I mean, you look at some of the, you know, sometimes on, when I'm playing around on TikTok. I get old, all in the family or the, uh, uh, some of these old shows. I'm like, man, how the heck did they used to get away with that on TV? Oh, or my God. Married with, married with children. And nowadays that just would not fly. Uh, it's for some for yeah. the better, right? Some for, some for the better, but some, like you said, it's tongue in cheek. It's, it's not, but yeah, anyway, we could go yeah, down for a whole the, path for that on sake that. To laugh.
0: like, you know, I'm a ginger, yeah. so I appreciate that we've evolved a little bit. I get teased a lot less, you <laughs> know, it's kind of nice. So, uh, okay. So, um, I, I didn't mean to derail us, but I wanted to answer those questions. I think those were kind of interesting. and no, uh, something that I wanted to know, like how, how back then, like, how are you going about find, kind of finding those things? And now the world is so small in regards to being able to get on a zoom call with China or zoom call with Mexico or talk to people. Uh, you know, when I was in Africa in 2001, uh, the the last time I was there, it was $10 a minute to talk to Kansas city, you know, so it wasn't easy to just call different parts of the world and do whatever you wanted. Um, okay. So, uh, you and, you and your buddy, uh, the photographer, uh, traveling the world, taking photos, getting, you know, calendars, you're on the Howard Stern show. Um, you know, you're working with models, you're having the time of your life. Uh, at least it sounds like to me, um, what's next, what's next from there?
1: Well, th- we rode that wave for a while. We actually did television too. We had to deal with Playboy TV. We had to deal with all the, the big, uh, uh, pay-per-view networks like DirecTV and dish and, uh, Time Warner and all that. We had an agent that would actually place us in this, and we would we would shoot behind the scenes. So I was the guy. I'm not a professional photographer, but when we would go to St. Lucia to shoot three models, I would take a camera and I would just film behind the scenes. You know, film a little bit of behind the scenes, and then Mark would film a little bit. uh, You know, of the shoot, nothing, no big production or anything. And then we would turn that into an hour long program. And we had three editors at one point editing this stuff for us full time, and we were providing content to all these different uh, television networks uh and pay-per-view and so what was happening is the pay-per-view networks back then when they didn't have wrestling or boxing they needed to fill the air they just dead air so that give us some bikinis it wasn't porn i mean i to emphasize that but we need something that people are going to buy so we would create these programs they would sell them for originally 12.95 and we would get 30 percent of that so we were getting like art to me kevin it sounds like we were, art. exactly it's it's art uh, the, uh, so we would get six-figure checks from these people every month for basically a byproduct of wow. what we were doing. Wow. Um, and, but and we were able to ride that way. But then the pricing, st- uh, YouTube came out in 2007, I think 2006, 2007. YouTube came out, and then all the porn companies started copying YouTube and basically doing free stuff just as lead magnets. And so when someone watches a pay-per-view show for 12.95. To be honest, most people don't watch the whole show. They just watch enough to they just watch, watch a it. little bit. But mm-hmm. when you can go online and get a minute or two and have the same effects, you don't need to pay for this. So they had to start lowering the price to 9.95. They cut us to 20% and ended up to 15% and became and a lot less people were buying because the internet was just exploding with free stuff. And so that market we were able to ride that wave until 2012 uh, roughly in 2012, we basically shut down everything, uh, because we just, the money was just, uh, just going down and I was getting creative just cause I was, as we talked about on, on my podcast, we, I was traveling a lot. So we were, I was just riding that, that, that wave and I would create I would take a uh, hard drives. I would go to Amazon and buy a one terabyte hard drive for $39 back then. And we took all of our content and dumped it on the hard drive just copied. I had three Macintosh computers just copying back and forth off a of USB to hard drives from a master. And we would sell that for anywhere from 250 to $700. And we tell all of our old people that were on this list of 250,000, we would say, Hey, you were, you got these photos of the day, but you know what your favorite model, you're missing some stuff. Here's the complete collection. The only way to get it is to buy this hard drive. So we repurposed everything and we we're able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars selling hard drives. Um, of just the old recycling, the old content, work we had already done, just recycling the asset. And that finally, we still, to this day, we sell those. uh, But I only sell about 20 or 30 a year. But back then we were selling 20 or 30 a day in some cases. Uh, But so in 2012, we kind of wound that down. And I was like, what am I going to do for the next? uh, Well, and so I started looking, I was like, maybe I'll go into real estate because it has allows me freedom. I'm not going to go work for somebody. I had a little bit of money, a little bit of cushion I could live on. Uh, I looked at a couple other businesses and right around 2014, into 2014, amazing.com was doing a webinar that, you know, they're the guys that kind of started this whole uh, sell third party on Amazon thing with in 2012. And they were doing a a webinar and it was like a four part webinar. It was a four part series to actually go to the webinar to buy their $5,000 course. And so this four part series is a warm up. They're basically get to know us, get comfortable with us so that when we can sell you on a webinar, I watched what they were doing. It's like, I can do this. I've been buying stuff from Asia. I've been printing stuff. I've been selling stuff online. I don't need their course. I can do this. I didn't realize that you know, I've been selling on Amazon all this time as a third-party vendor, but I didn't know that you could go find something on Alibaba, stick your logo on it, and sell it. Uh, and there's a couple rudimentary software tools back then. And so I, I said, I, I'll just do this. So I launched four brands in 2015, with, uh, went with a, par- uh, a partner. She, she put in a couple hundred grand. And we launched four brands. Two of those, three of those are this the traditional find something on Alibaba, change it a little bit, put your logo on it. The other two I developed from scratch. Uh, one was a dog, slow feed dog bowl. I hired a designer, had molds made, the whole nine yards. The other one's an Apple Watch was coming out in 2015, the very first Apple Watch. So I, I created a, a dock. Everybody was selling these wooden bamboo docks for like 10, 15 bucks. I'm like, if I have a 500, whatever it costs, a $500 Apple Watch, I'm not going to put it on a $15 piece of shit bamboo uh, Doc, I want something nice that looks like an Apple product. So I created this metal charging stand that would charge your watch, your iPad, uh, and your phone. It had a Bluetooth speaker in it. It had uh, um, hit hit all the cables, so you would have this mess, you know, on your table. Cables going everywhere. Had little. It, it, I developed that from scratch. Had the prototypes made. Sold this thing for eighty nine dollars uh, and did did really really well with it for about a year year and a half until. I just had to like step away. I'd milked it as much as I could, so I, I did those. Um, and in doing that around 2016, um, I was listening to the AMPM podcast, the same podcast I now host. And it was this guy That's named Super Manny, Cool, by the way, Manny Coates uh, had started it in late 2015 to document his journey as an Amazon seller. And so he was doing these weekly podcasts and talking about here's my sales for the week. Here's what we're doing. Here's how to, I've launched this. And that evolved into he was developing tools for himself just to like do keyword research or to do uh, make his listings and make sure he included all the keywords. And so that evolved into a software tool, which is now Helium 10. And when so it first, I had one
0: question just when you said you first started out. There's a couple of rudimentary tools like in 2015, 14, 15. There's yeah, yeah, a precursor what
1: to. Precursor to Manage by stats. Okay. There was a, yeah, I don't remember the exact names. I I don't remember all the exact names, but they were they were super basic. They didn't have nearly. You know, you couldn't even really do keyword research. You could, yep. you could type in a subject and it would tell you this is a good opportunity or not. So, you know, based on some, some formula they had. I was or using Google. Literally tools like going. Google. I was going to the top one hundred list on Amazon. You know, that's how I picked the Apple Watch dock. I looked at the top one hundred list. And when I, when I first started, before I actually sold on Amazon as a, my own business, uh, private label stuff, I actually said, I want to test this out. I want to see if what they're saying in these webinars is really true. So I found this uh, water balloon uh, filler. This guy had this water balloon filler that it ended up getting knocked off on all these infomercials. But you would, you know, when you're filling water balloons for a water balloon fight, you got to go to the hot f- hose or the faucet and mm-hmm. like one at a time but this thing had like you hook it to the faucet it had like i don't know 20 or 30 little spouts on it that you connect balloons to so you could fill up 20 balloons really fast and they happen to be in dallas so i called this guy up Saw he's selling well say hey i'd like to sell these as a jump on your listing basically uh and he's like all right sure and so i drove up to dallas with 10 grand bought 10 grand of these with him built them in my car you know and drove back or sent them into amazon from dallas Sold like thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of in a matter of days. I'm like, why wasn't he, he? Was
0: he selling that many as well? Yeah,
1: yeah, he was selling a lot too. And, and then he saw what I did. He's like, you can't have any more. You're taking sales from me. And so I, I was like, okay, this Amazon thing works. And then I sold a beauty cream. I saw there's some beauty uh, eyelash thing that was working really well. And so I bought it off a DH Gate. I think it is. Uh, it's one of those Alibaba kind of, but a lot of stuff on DH gate is not really authorized. It's backdoor, gray hats, whatever. And so I bought this stuff off of there and sold it. And I was selling like crazy until I got shut down. I was like, all right, this Amazon thing, this Amazon thing works. So that's what I developed, started developing the, the products. And, uh, like when Manny started the, the the podcast, I was listening to it. And then he had a Facebook group called the FBA high rollers. Mm-hmm. And I joined that group. And there's people posting there about, you got to use a landing page for this. You got to do this. This is how things work. And there's so much misinformation about from other sellers that had no clue. Yep. I'm like, this is not how marketing works. This is not, this is BS. And so I would call them out and Manny saw me doing that. And he's like, this is a, uh, uh, I want you to come on my podcast. I'm like, no, no, I'm just keeping my head down. I'm launching a bunch of brands. I don't, I'm not interested in being a public figure. They like, no, dude, just come on the podcast. So it, In 20 spring of 2016, I went on his AMPM podcast. And I think to this day, it's either the first or second most downloaded podcast ever. And I just said it like it is, you know, I didn't sugarcoat anything, just said it like it is. It resonated. And from there, all these other podcasts started calling me, people started asking me to come speak at events and just snowballed. And so, uh, you know, I've spoken at 50, 60 different events, different events, some of them multiple times. Uh, I've been on I don't know how many, probably 100 plus podcasts. Now I'm hosting that podcast. That evolved into me hosting, doing stuff with Helium 10. I don't work for Helium 10, but I have an independent contract. They pay me good money to host the AMPM podcast and to run their uh, elite uh, training program for elite sellers called Helium 10 Elite. It's a monthly training. And I do their course called the Freedom Ticket, which is how to sell for beginners, which they give away free to anybody that has a membership. So that's given me a ton of exposure. I've had close to 200,000 people go through the freedom ticket, or at least start not all of them finish it, but at least start it. So I get recognized, you know, even not at Amazon or Ecom events, I can get recognized at the grocery store in Austin, or at an Uber in New York, Uber driver in New York knows who I am. And so that's some pretty good reach. So that's helped me get the my name out there. And so I was like, I might as well leverage this. And so that's why I do the billion dollar seller summit for high level sellers. That's why I do some of the other stuff. It's and I enjoy it. So I, I'm a lot of people. They they will. That's all they'll do. They start out selling, and then they say this is tough. You know, you got to tie up a bunch of money in inventory, and then they evolve into being a service provider and running a PPC company, or they develop a software tool that, or whatever. And that's what they focus on then. But I'm still selling. Uh, still sell the calendars. Have two other brands. Starting another brand right now. I think that's important. If you're going to be teaching it, or or you you gotta you gotta be doing it.
0: And couldn't if you're not doing, I couldn't agree more. If you're more, not okay. doing
1: it, then how can you teach it? I mean, you're teaching what was working a couple of years ago. Things change. I mean, the fundamentals stay the same. You know, the, uh, there's always a the new shiny object, right, you know, right? the principles stay the same, but you gotta, you gotta know. You know, I, I lose respect. There's one big influencer in this space that was early on. I'm not gonna name the name, but he ran some conferences and was very well known and i remember listening to a podcast of him and he didn't even know how to to create a label a shipping label in uh seller central he was giving bet wrong information cuz he's never done it and so I, on that podcast when he was telling somebody how to do that i was just listening to it, dude you just lost all credibility with me uh anything specific to amazon i'm not going to believe a thing you say
0: yeah cuz you um, don't know
1: but the guy has been successful he was right place right time sold a company for eight figures um uh, but uh yeah it's i think you still you got to keep your hand on the pulse. I mean, it's just like, you see the, uh, what's it? The CEO of Uber just recently said that once a month he drives Uber. So he, he actually goes and sits in and and drives an Uber as a regular driver, just so he can get a a feel for what's going on. And as a result of that, they've made changes on the app. And so the way they do things, because he's like, Oh, Holy cow. These people, you know, they got in the car stunk to high heaven. You know, we got to have a way to deal with that Or, or whatever it is. He's made some changes. Uh, and, that's, you have to do that, and so any company out there, I think, should always insist that their top level executives get out of their chair and go to the front lines at least periodically uh, for half a day or a day and answer the customer service calls or whatever, just so you can you know what the heck's going on.
0: Totally. I uh, I just launched a brand um, for someone else, kind of like a fractional CMO on this one, because uh, I was pulling the shots on who did the video and the TikTok and the and the website and mm-hmm. everything else, not just Amazon. Uh, but purposefully did it myself, uh, because I just, I wanted to know, you know, what the nuances within PPC right now. And, um, you know, am I evaluating a launch correctly? Am I coordinating it right? You know, do I understand how to set up attribution for TikTok? Um, nothing crazy, a single skew brand, right. With, with a TikTok and PPC launch, but, um, just keep my hands dirty, so to speak. You know, Marknology really is set up more, um, horizontal, I guess, in res- in regards to like hierarchy. So mm-hmm. we all work alongside each other, there- there's, there's accountability, you know, as far as like leaders in each in each area, but like, we definitely are like a horizontal team. Um, and I, one just because I like that I'm I'm the owner operator like I was the guy that liked tweaking tweaking with things and tinkering and uh you know there's some businesses that were built just because they're good business people and they saw an opportunity to build you know in this Amazon space that was growing and hey I know how to build a team and run an agency or do whatever and then there's ones that have like actually done it uh and I think the same thing can be said in school and when I was mentoring uh I uh not to toot my own horn, but I got mentor of the year at at the local university in 2019. And I'm someone that's dealt with imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. So surprised me when I won. But, uh, you know, I learned something when I was there in regards to mentoring or teaching a course or being a guru or, you know, being a a leader uh, that, you know, me at, at the time at 30, you know, 33 was closer in age to the students and able to actually like speaking into their lives about what's actually happening in social and e-commerce mm-hmm. and web because of the proximity and age. And, and like, I'm actually still doing it versus a lot of the teachers there have years of experience and, you know, wise in their industries, uh, but maybe they're 10 years removed or 20 years removed. Yeah. Right? They have a lot of mentors there. And so simply by me being in the weeds of digital marketing and social media, um, you know, I felt like I connected with the kids in like a com- completely different way than the educators that were, you know, more book driven or career driven in the past. Um, yeah, so I agree with you. Just validating that hard. I had a, I had, I had, a simple question. I wanted to go back and I didn't want to interrupt you, but you launched in 2015 four brands. You said, uh, uh,
1: actually, actually five. So okay, five.
0: Uh, yeah, five. Okay. I said, had, I think
1: I said four, but it's actually five.
0: Okay, so five. You had a little bit of practice proof of concept by like selling the balloon uh, fillers and selling some stuff off the, uh, the other Alibaba site. So you're like, I want to see kind of this, this stuff works. You saw that it works and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go in big. And I understand that building, getting molds and inventing a product from scratch uh, is different than tweaking a product on Alibaba and making a few changes. But what was your thinking? What was your mentality around doing five at the same time?
1: I wanted to see what, you know, a lot, at that time, people say stick with one niche. I'm like, no, I want to see which of these five. I know a couple of them are going to fail or a couple mm-hmm. of them. Are, one of them is going to take off. It's, it's spreading my odds, spreading my risk. And so I did I did uh, one in the uh, home and kitchen. It was a uh, a crepe maker in the home and kitchen. That was just an Alibaba. Fix it up a little bit and put my name on it. It's really nice packaging and just position it differently. I did stuff in the, in the uh, beauty category. I did makeup brushes and uh, eye serums those were also just, uh, well, the, the makeup brush set is one that I put together. I went to all the makeup artists that we've been working with, with models and said, what would you like in a makeup set, Yeah, uh, makeup brush set? What would be your dream set? And put that in a nice leather case and stuff. And then, uh, you know, Mark, uh, my partner from the calendars was doing all my lifestyle photography. So I kill her lifestyle and a plus or back then it was called EBC content. And I had really good marketing, good packaging and everything. Then I did another one. And, uh, Sports and outdoors. I did like an ab roller, a couple different ab rollers. I did a pull-up bar, did some stuff in that space. Then I did in the pet space. I did the dog bowls that I created from scratch. it's just a, something that I I wanted to differentiate. Mm-hmm. It's something that I wanted. I was seeing all the pet bowls that are slow feed dog bowls that slows your dog down from eating. They're just ugly plastic pieces of junk. Spiral I want something thing. that spiral. I want something that looks cool. So mine looks like a bone. And it's got two colors and it, it, um, silicone, not just plastic. And it's, it's nice. Uh, I still use it today with, with one of my dogs. Uh, and <clears throat> that's, that that's what I did there. And then that branched into to treats. And so one of the products that I did were bully sticks at the time, uh, bully sticks were, they're, they're so huge. Yeah, they're huge. And the company that leads that market is called best bully sticks. They're on mm-hmm. the East coast. And, I was looking at the bully sticks. I saw an opportunity. This is 2016-ish, I guess. Why don't I get into bully sticks? So I started, this is before you had tools to read the reviews. I would download the review or copy and paste to download the re, all the reviews of the competition. I found a pattern in there where people are saying these bully sticks are, because uh, bully sticks are the penises of a cow. That's what they are. Um, and so it's they're, they're, you know, just using all the byproducts of a cow. But a lot of, stuff, people are worried about where's the meat coming from? Is this Chinese meat? Is this, where's it coming from? So I'm like, okay, checkbox number one, I need to have US sourced meat. Then people were saying these are thin and, you know, they're full of air. So I was like, checkbox number two, I need to make sure these are full and thick, you know, meaty sticks. Uh, checkbox number three is like, uh, they, people are saying these are, these are, uh, when the dog chews them, the house stinks. That's because sometimes they don't get all the urine out of there. Um, and so it, it's, mm. you know, it's got residue, uh, you know, built into the skin or whatever. It's like, all right, I got to fix that problem. And the number one is because of that residue. Sometimes the dog jumps up on the couch and is eating it. You know, the couch gets stained. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'll fix that. So I called around in the U S and this one manufacturer, I think in Utah, referred me to this guy in, in uh, New Hampshire, New England, I think it's New Hampshire. Um, and he said, uh, he, he's a classically trained French chef. So I was like, that's perfect marketing. I can have my bully sticks made by a classically trained French chef that uses us meat, uses really thick, uh, sticks and that they're, they're really nice and really good. Uh, and I can do all my marketing around this. Um, and so I can't, but his price was ridiculously high. Everybody else was selling 30 bully sticks in a plastic bag with a label on it for 30 bucks and all competing for dollar, you know, super small profits and juggling. So what I did is I was like, I'm gonna differentiate this. I'm gonna put mine in a cigar box. So I actually ma- had a custom made cigar box with a really cool le- textured label on the outside. I only put three sticks in the c- cigar box. They're big and thick, and I sold them for fifty four ninety five. Mm. Three sticks for fifty four ninety five. Everybody else is selling thirty for thirty dollars, and then all the marketing. I I had really good imagery. I had really good comparisons. I, I created cartoons to show why these are better. Uh, you know, I would show. Uh, you buy the competition and I'd show a bunch of dogs in a car driving through like a McDonald's, like fast food. And then I'd have like a split screen. And on the other side would be three dogs sitting in a nice steakhouse with a a waiter with a a bow tie on. And he's handing them to him on a silver platter. Like, which do you want to give your dog? And people care about their pets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some people are fanatical about it. So that's the market I was going after I was niching down. It worked. I started selling, Yeah, I wasn't the best seller. The other guys are selling a hundred a day. I'm selling 20 a day, 20 a day, but I have better margins. And I, I couldn't, the keyword bully stick, I couldn't rank on page one because it's just my price would just not, I could get there by, you know, through a launch, but I would never stay because the price, but I could get, I could crush it on more niche keywords like bully sticks, no odor bully sticks made in the USA or some of those other words. And so I did so well that the guys at Best Bully Sticks, they saw what I'm doing. They called me and they said, how the hell are you selling three sticks for $55? This is crazy. And uh, We see your numbers. We see what you're doing. You're obviously selling these. Uh, let's partner up. So I partnered with them and did duck treats and did uh, pig's feet and uh, antlers and whatever else. And we did did that for a while uh, until the pricing just got to be a little bit too much. Um, and so I, I quit doing that. Um, and then the, on the, the Apple Watch stock, it's something that I wanted. I was like, I see these cheap bamboo things. It's like, I'm not going to buy that from, and there's nothing at the time. There's cool stuff now that exists for your for charging your watch. But back then there wasn't. So that's why I created it from scratch. And I'd been creating products when we were doing the calendars. We had collectibles. So we, I was creating high-end collectibles, like a baseball card in a, in a crystal case with a gold leaf signature on it, uh, you know, so I was experiencing actually some product development, not at the level of having what I had to do with the uh, the Apple Watch charging dock. That's a lot of electronics and stuff. But I had a good manufacturer that I found on Global Sources that that did all the work for me and all the prototyping back and forth. And took like eight months. Um, I was literally taking the, this charging dock to the Apple Store in Austin and saying, "Can I test this with?" I had a prototype of it, like 3D printed version. I need to make sure that the the all the different watch bands fit on it. And so they would open their little drawer and let me play with all the different watch bands and had to make some adjustments. Uh, so uh, I was doing, you know, true product development. That's cool. And I love it. it. Thank Chris, you for sharing the details. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, 2000 for people listening, 2015 PPC comes out. It's a huge, like huge growth, you know, hockey stick kind of growth on Amazon, uh, PPC is coming out. So everyone that's bad at SEO and all those kinds of things is able to get visibility on their products. And, um, you know, but it was easy to win. I feel like it was pretty easy to win if you had a decent product. Um, I was selling at that time, but I was, I was definitely building brands for other people at that time. Uh, I was in a different capital, uh, level at that time. And I was really just trying to find bit work on the side. So I was, I was having a lot of fun with the supplement companies were really the ones kind of leading the way in regards to trying a lot of the R and D, like, you know, innovative things like mm-hmm. inserts in the bottle or, uh, you know, so buy one, get a, get, get a free one when they sign up to the email list to get the next one launched and, you know, continuing to have bestsellers. And, um, you know, all of those things and content wasn't really search, find, buy was a thing and, uh, super URLs and kind of all of these mm-hmm. technical hacks, I guess, to launching products. Uh, that's just evolved. It's just evolved since then to different things and different tactics. Um, but of those five, how many were successful? You said you wanted to diversify into different niches. It sounds like most of them did pretty good. Of the five, two, what two, was the success uh, rate? Uh, the
1: dog, one, the dog and the sports were the two most successful. The okay. the actual Apple Watch was very successful. I was selling Christmas 2015. I was selling uh fifteen twenty thousand dollars a day of those, uh, which back then was good, uh really good. I uh, could barely keep them in stock, and got so bad that I actually had to have charter a plane to bring like fifteen pallets over. Uh, it cost me like thirty grand or something, or some ridiculous, uh, maybe more than that, some ridiculous amount of money to actually bring these over just not run out of stock. But then. What happened with that product is it was doing really well. I was, you know, page one on all the top keywords, even though I was ninety dollars, eighty-nine dollars, and everybody else was ten bucks, but I started having cash flow issues. So because I needed so much of this and working and turning it. So I ended up having to get some high interest loans, uh, as Amazon lending was was barely around at that time. And having to go with a like a company called Kick Further, not Kickstarter, but Kick Further. They're still around. And there wasn't all these sellers funding and all these other places like there are now. So I had to get creative and use credit cards to finance as it was growing beyond my financial means. So I had to put the brakes on a little bit, but then what really killed it is right around that tab, someone posted on a Facebook group, Hey, Amazon, this is before Gatita and those guys existed. Amazon, you know, loses stuff when you ship something into the warehouse you say, you said a hundred units and they say they only received 90. Well, you can, here's the steps, open up a claim, uh, and you can get paid for those ten that are missing. I'm like, holy cow! They, I have this happening quite a bit, so I, I followed that process. I get a notice from Amazon saying, uh, "No problem, uh, we'll, we'll investigate, but in the meantime, we're suspending your sales while we investigate." And I'm like, Pulling, they pull all the product accounts. Yeah, it's, or it's, a bin che- it's a bin check or whatever. And so they, they, I was calling them. What are you doing? Well, we got to check two different warehouses and you know do this cross. They had some mathematical formula to figure stuff out. I'm like, forget about it. Forget about these 10 that are missing. I don't care. Put the listing back up, and they wouldn't do it. So I was down for three weeks, and that just ki- that killed it. So when I came back up, I had to, like, you know how it is. With what's, mm-hmm. I, was, I had to relaunch it. Couldn't get, couldn't get the traction back, uh, and I had big payments to make for the inventory and with high interest rates that I'd taken, and it just spiraled to where I just had to close it down. I had to close that and stop it. Man,
0: I thought your stress mil- levels were high.
1: I, they were. I mean, I, it took me at one point selling on Amazon. I got uh, as high as I was doing well enough. So I had over a million dollars in debt. And I ended up paying it all off. Um, but in, in, in 2020, that's not the only time I've lost. I've made a lot of money and I've lost a lot of money. In 2020, me and four other partners got into the hand sanitizer hand wipes business. And we lost 1.6 million on that. <laughs> uh, so uh, between us, not, not individually. And I, there's a whole another story, uh, sometime on that, uh, did a whole case study on it, but that doesn't deter me from selling on Amazon. It's still the best thing ever. Um, the yeah. best marketplace, the best place, uh, it's just, you win some, you lose some. Um, 100%. I spend a ton of
0: money. I spend a ton of money testing software tools, testing off Amazon strategies, uh, you know, taking coaching in different areas that I need um, you know, just trying things that, that, uh, you know, if you're going to be a real entrepreneur, I think if you're going to win on Amazon, you have to continue to just keep innovating, keep trying different things, figuring out what's working, take a chance on, on a gut feeling sometimes on products, uh, you know, or niches. And, um, that's just the way that it is. And I think anyone that's actually like ever had success, uh, multiple times because some people can get successful one time and and not really take any crazy chances they just took it took one shot maybe and it worked but um you know someone that's been doing it 12 years and and working with 350 brands plus over that time uh you know i've lost a lot of times i've lost a lot of times uh when i felt like i could win and um
1: well success without to me success without failure is luck
0: yeah i can't i can't disagree with that either um, I just know some people, you know, they hit it and they, and they, they were successful right out the gate, you know, and others. Well, that's others happening are not, now
1: so. with the, the, you know, the big aggregator buyout in 2020, 2021, there are a lot of people that got started in 2014, 2015, right place, right time. They built up a massive amount of reviews and their product was just killing it. They sold, I know several people that they, they sold for a good multiple. And then they're like, you know what? I'm going to try this again. I'm going to launch, you know, some other idea that I had, and they fail almost every time because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they were right place, right time, able
0: to ride that wave. And 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 as an agency owner, where. I haven't just done one product or five or 10, you know, different categories of products. I've seen it. I've seen it all. So I've seen, yeah. I've seen some hit and be crazy successful from launch, even without PPC. I've seen some, you know, launch just with PPC and, and be fine. I've seen some launch just with off Amazon efforts. If they've got a great email list or influencer marketing or any number of things, you have seen so many different things, win or lose, um, you know, that it's not just, uh, is this probably going to do well on Amazon? Well, there's about 50 factors that go into that, you yep. know, whether we're going to yep. be successful or not. Um, okay. So we're, we're coming up a little bit on time. We, I still have time. If you do, I don't know sure if, sure, if we got a hard stop or not, but, um, I'd love to get kind of like up to date with where you are. So, you know, we had, let's say 2020, you're doing hand sanitizers. That's not working. I know you're still, you know, you're doing the billion dollar seller summit, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's just a, a very high end Amazon, uh, uh, mastermind, or I guess a, a no, conference. it's an event.
1: It's, it's, a conf- it's an event. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's a conference. I, do, I do one virtually and one in person each year.
0: Okay. And, uh, so for anyone, this is definitely not a one oh one. This is like, you're going to get some of the yeah. best stuff. Uh, you're going to get the most 11 out people, of it. At
1: the last one, we had 11 people doing over a hundred million a year.
0: Okay. So, I mean, there you go, guys, o- over 11 people doing a hundred million. Uh, I know I've met some of them, uh, you know, some of these guys in the space and they're just, you know, absolutely amazing. A lot of them are still going to this kind of stuff just because they love the community and they love giving back. Mm-hmm. It's not that they need, gather a tip or something like that they're there to help people uh you know find find their own way uh on amazon you know so um doing that in the podcast uh helping with the courses and the education at helium 10 selling your own brands now um and so you're still selling you still got the catalog business things like that what are you still working on today in regards to brands uh in regards to selling on amazon
1: one of the, I still have, I have three Amazon brands, so I have the calendars and two others, and then I'm working on a, another one right now with some partners out of Hong Kong and, and the UK. We've been working on it for a couple of years, and we're tying Web3 uh, to products. And so we're doing something in the sustainable space. So all of our products are from uh, bottles that came out of the ocean or the rivers and turning those into fabrics that are then made into dog jackets or baby carriers or whatever it may be. Um, and so we're doing, doing that and we're tying that to Web3 with NFTs for uh, transparency and traceability because you can tie an NFT to an invoice. So when someone says, uh, yeah, this is made out of recycled, there's a lot of greenwashing where people mm-hmm. are just jumping on the bandwagon and it's just BS. But we can actually tie an NFT. If some bottles come out of the ocean in the Mediterranean, there's a company called Plastique that will tie an NFT to the invoice. Those bottles then go to a, fa- a factory that melts them down. That NFT follows the invoice, and then that the the then it goes to a factory that makes them into strings or fabrics or whatever. You can have an NFT tied the whole way; it's all in the blockchain, transparent, so people can see. Holy cow! This is a uh, you know this is for real. This is not just greenwashing or them saying they're doing this. We can see it with our own eyes. So that gives you a lot of credibility, and people want to support that. And then we're by holding one of our NFTs. These are not NFTs to like let's get rich like a bored ape. You know, buy it for. Uh, hundred dollars and it sells for a hundred thousand. That's not the goal. Uh, the goal is the NFT is basically your membership card. It's, it's the mm-hmm. community and your membership card, and, and, but it also gives you the right. There's a limited number, but it gives you the right to shit to, you can't actually profit share because there's SE rule SEC rules around it, but we can, you, we can give rewards. So if you hold the NFT for every unit that's sold, you earn a certain number of points. And if you go buy the unit, yourself you earn even more points or you can scan an NFC not NFT but NFC code and it maybe airdrops uh, a special bonus onto into your opensea wallet or or whatever and uh the more that we sell the more that you get these rewards and those rewards could be free products the rewards could be uh events get, events having a say in uh where we're going to do the next cleanup we're going to cl- do a big cleanup in uh in palm uh, long beach and so your points are worth so much money, so that money is going to be put into the fund to actually do the cleanup, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, and then we'll have these incredible—we'll com- have these communities that can then launch product. They'll have a say. So we're like, "What kind of products would you like in sustainability?" And they say, "Oh, we would like a, a baby carrier." So we'll go to Amazon and Walmart and look: Can we? Can we do a baby carrier? Does it make sense to do a baby carrier? And if it does, then we'll have them. What would you like in it? They'll have a—you know—some say in the product development. So then, when the product comes out, you know, if we have. 10,000 people that hold our NFTs and, and, uh, 500 of them, uh, want a baby carrier, uh, then they'll go and buy that baby carriers instant launch. And then we'll get more people and increase this flywheel into the ecosystem. So that's what we're doing. Then we'll take other, we'll develop our own products. Then we'll also take other people's. One of the, the, the partners is on the uh, sustainability VC fund. So he sees all these deals come through of people like shark tank type of people or, uh, you know, incubator type of people that have these good ideas, but they don't know, they don't know, squad about Amazon or Walmart or e-commerce, you know, they're the type of people in the past would go do a, a Kickstarter. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the thing wouldn't come out for two years cause they don't understand how to work with factories and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we'll take, we'll take some of those under our wing as well to accelerate the, the product life cycle and the product products that we have. So we're not having to develop everything. So it's kind of along those lines. It's called real impact labs. And that's, um, uh, something that I'm really excited about. It's, it's taken us a while to get it off the ground. Hopefully this fall, it might be next spring, but uh, we're we're pretty close. Uh, there's a lot of technical stuff that we have to work out.
0: Well, it's a big idea, and I think big ideas take time. You know, they're not easy. I, I saw you actually present on it at the Selling Scale Summit uh, in Las Vegas, the Helium 10 Selling Scale yeah. Summit. Uh, so I was in there for that presentation, um, and it was it was a lot. But I, you know, I'm still learning about NFTs and nfcs and all of that kind of stuff. Web 3.0. These are all things I'm trying to learn and get up to speed in. So. Um, The other thing we're doing
1: now is, too, sorry to interrupt you, but the other thing we're doing now that we just added is, I just went to an AI conference in uh, Vegas, uh, and one of the big things right now is is subscription newsletters, email subscription newsletters for niches. So there's one called The Hustle that was developed and sold for $27 million. There's another one called Milk Road that uh, the guys that do uh, My First Million podcast, one of those guys helped start that. Within eight months, he sold that for some crazy eight-figure sum. So, so if you can build an audience, it's going back to what we talked about earlier, where I had that audience of 250,000, I know how to do that. We build an audience of people who love sustainability and they love pets. And that's the products that we're going to do sustainable pet products or, or something like those lines. We can use that to help launch products on Amazon to actually become affiliates for other products. And at some point that's going to add so much value to what we're doing when a buyer comes in to buy this. Cause I'm trying to, we're building this to sell. I need a, I need a fu exit. Uh that's mm-hmm. what I want I want to FU exit. And so um for those of you who don't know what FU is, it's uh the F uh rhymes with with uh with hockey. He's, talk. Talk, he's talking yeah. about fuck you money. He uh, wants I, didn't know, fuck you I could money. say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna so, say it. Uh
0: and I think right. that you know that is definitely the goal. Like for me, it's not that I need that kind of money to be happy or to have a fulfilling life. Uh, but as a competitor, as a brand builder, as an entrepreneur, uh, th- there's a freedom attached to that that is just unmatched, you know, for you, for your friends, for your family. Uh, when you have when you have that kind of money, uh, there's not a lot you can't do.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot. I'm not a, I'm not one of these competitive guys. You're talking about imposter syndrome before. I'm not someone that's like I need a hundred million dollars or a hundred million dollars. I just need enough. You know, ten million dollars is my number. That $10 million, I can do whatever I want for as long as I want. And I can play and not have to worry about anything. So it's not, and I don't need a hundred million. What am I going to, a hundred million. I don't need to buy a fancy yacht. What are you going to do with the difference? You could live a decent life if you do things right with, with 10 million. So that's my goal. But I, I have people that have gone through the freedom ticket. This just happened in Vegas at Prosper. I was standing in line to go to, uh, uh, that party in the Mandalay Bay that was on the top. Uh, mm-hmm. Rich Goldstein's party. No, not Rich Goldstein's, the uh, one. Um, is, that was not
0: the, uh, the Mandalay Bay. It was in the
1: foundation, room, the foundation room. The Techometrics uh, party? Yeah, it might have been that. Uh, I was standing in line to go up the elevator, and there's a guy two two p- places behind me, and I, I'm just waiting my turn, and I hear this, no way, no way, no effing way. And I turn around and see what's going on. The guy's looking straight at me, and I'm like, he's like, Kevin King, I have to shake your hand. I can't believe it's you. I took your freedom ticket course like four years ago. uh, And I just have to say, thank you so much. My company is doing $50 million now. And I'm like, congratulations. That's awesome to hear. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not the reason he's doing 50 million, uh, but I gave him the foundation because the course I teach is not a, here's your 10 steps to, you know, 50 million. It's, this is what you need to know, implement what I teach you and see where it goes. Uh, And that's, that's what he did. And he's successful. I'm not doing 50 million on Amazon he's way exceeding too bad. We can get a
0: little affiliate commission on some of those, you know, uh, Exactly. Uh, I think my number is I've, uh, I've actually been involved in making 12 millionaires. So, uh, just, you know, through the years, like guys I've worked with that, uh, like we, you know, helped them build a brand and, um, they found an exit or they, they, are cash flowing at that level. Um, I've been a part of, uh, now 14 exits, uh, from brands I've built and worked with oh, Wow. and, um, those were not ones I've built myself, but being hired to do it right. I've been on the services side. So I'm building brands myself now, the last couple of years, uh, have yet to exit one of those. So I'm, I'm building, I'm in the building stage, but awesome. I've seen the roadmap, you know, and I've been a part of someone's foundation, I guess, so to speak. And, um, you know, helping them on their Amazon journey. And, uh, that's why I love the community, honestly, because it's like, you get something from here, you get something from here, you get something from this guy mm-hmm. or this girl. And, uh, and it's really kind of like, um, so I think the Amazon industry, uh, the Amazon community, is just different than a lot of other. uh a,
1: little, a lot to, of
0: other communities.
1: I was talking about that with someone else on. I recorded a podca- uh, AMPM podcast today with Joey Roberts, and we were talking about that exact thing. How when you go to conferences, it's just different than when you go to some other type of conference. It's a whole different. I don't know what it is. There's something about the type of entrepreneur, the type of hustler, that's in this Amazon community. That's that's different. Uh, I think
0: it's so unique that it's, it's almost like it binds, bonds us together a little bit because the Amazon industry is like, you know, I I can't go around at the mall or at uh, UMKC here in Kansas city or anywhere downtown and and talk to people about selling on Amazon or building a private label brand. Just not, there's just no one there. They're not going to understand what we do. Right. Exactly. It's just so rare uh, that it's like, it's very unique. And so, um, when you find other people that are like dealing with the same problems or have the same passion or ambition, even around what you're trying to do, it just kind of feels automatically like, wow, this is uh, feels really good to be around people that care about the same thing I'm trying to do. It's not like you're a realtor. Uh, you know, you can find a realtor probably at a networking event. You know, if you're a realtor, you go to a networking event, you're going to find another one, probably there, some kind of broker or someone else in your industry. Um, but you, you're an Amazon seller, you're an Amazon service provider or software, and you go to a, a normal networking event. You're probably the only one there uh yeah. if it's not an probably, amazon event probably. you know yep. um, uh, you even go to a branding event or an e-commerce event you might be the only amazon person there potentially so
1: um you know while we're well, while even it's look a big at, industry it's small too well you they got this ai conference there's like 400 and something people it's perry belcher that did it and uh i think there's about 20 25 amazon sellers out of that whole bunch which is and if you go to like a funnel hacking live, you know, Russell Brunson's, you know, he's got four or 5,000 people there and it's a very small group of Amazon sellers. So you're right. Yeah. It's,
0: um, there's not a lot of them. Yeah. I think it kind of brings, this is a reason why I think the ones that have been successful in this space give back, um, you know, just because it's a lot for a lot of people it's changed our lives and, and you know want to give back to the community that, that cares about the same stuff we care about. Um, as we round out, Kevin, I want to give a plug to the billion dollar seller summit. We did a little bit, but you know, as we round out the show, this, this episode is going to be released before. Um, and are are you guys already maxed out? Have you sold out to the conference? Um, tell the people a little bit about a billion dollar seller summit.
1: Yeah. The next one's coming up in June's June 11th to the 15th. I'm doing it in, uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, the way it, why do these. You know, there's a lot of conferences in this space. There's tons of them, but I this one is one of the more expensive one. It's about five grand to actually come, uh, so it's not cheap. But that's on purpose to weed out the serious people, It's serious sellers. Like like I said, the last one did in Austin uh, last August was uh, eleven people doing over hundred billion. The median in the room was ten point five million. So this is you know you occasionally get a new seller, but this is mostly more experienced ecom people. And we do I, I hand select the speakers, so a lot of speakers you see them at all kinds of different events. And they're just kind of recycling the same presentations or it's very corporate-y and you don't get a lot out of most presentations uh, unless you're brand new and you're just, your eyes are wide open. But if you're experienced, a lot of those are wasted waste of time. Like at a Prosper mm-hmm. show, they're a waste of time, but these guys are actionable. Like do this, do this, this is what's going to happen. And so if you're doing $10 million a year on Amazon and, and you paid five grand to come here, plus your hotel and airfare, you know, you get a little bit of investment in your time. All it takes is one trick or one Mm. thing to get you thinking of that can make a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar difference in in your business that size. So that's why a lot of the people come. Um, and then I I re the speakers are motivated because I I put a cash prize on them. So at the end, everybody votes who is their favorite speaker's favorite content, and I publish the list and the winner gets five grand. And so I'll have like 15 speakers, and I don't I don't say who's in the bottom, I, I publish the top 10 but you know, if you didn't make the top 10, you basically sucked and nobody wants to suck. And you know, in this, this Amazon space, people are competitive. Mm-hmm. And so we we play on that and that, that helps drive the content to another level. And then we do a lot of inter- networking. It's not just, Hey, let's have a cocktail party and everybody come. We do interactive stuff. Um, so like when we've done them in Austin, we went and raced go-karts at the F1 track, or we went and played paintball wars or threw axes or went and drinking at the vineyards, uh, this last one that everybody loved uh, in August, we did a scavenger hunt. Everybody's grouped up into four and they had to go all over Austin doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And people said that was the most fun they've had at a conference ever, the way we did it. And they got to bond with everybody else in the car. So we do those types of things uh, as well. Uh, so it's not just sitting a conference to take notes and go have a drink at the bar. Uh, and then there's usually satellite parties. So there's, there's, uh, I think, uh, the one in, uh, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, you know the guy from "A uh, uh, Entrepreneur on Fire" is actually speaking, uh, John Lee Dumas, I think. Uh, and I have a lot of the top speakers, but there's parties like Carbon Six is doing a party one night. The MDS Million Dollar Seller Group is doing one night. I think Seller uh, Systems, Brandon Young, and Anthony are doing a side party one night. So there's there's stuff happening um, every night. So it's it's going to be really really cool. For, you can check it out at billion dollar sellersummit.com, com. dollar dot um, if you're interested in coming it, um, i am limited to 150 people by my contract with helium 10, I think we're you know, sitting around hundred right now, so it'll probably end up about 120 to 150 people, but yeah, anybody that's interested, uh, love to have you out. And if you can't make that one, I do a virtual one in February every year. It's a little bit cheaper, but we just do it virtually with this conference platform. It's not like zoom. It's a more interactive, but, uh, so Yeah. Billion dollar summit.com. appreciate that awesome
0: thank you for sharing that I just want to give everybody a chance to you know hear about that they'll, they'll have some time to actually plan and potentially go to that and for me um I, I have yet to be at a billion dollar seller summit I've done the online seller cruise a few times with Carlos uh, Alvarez as a speaker um and what I can say about that event where you get this chance to kind of like these networking events where you get to like hang out and do real life stuff, you know, uh go on a waterfall hike or go on a, a um a dune buggy roll you know, ride or uh it's just different than just regurgit or uh just Taking in information the whole time, you know these chance to meet other sellers uh, doing the same thing as you. Maybe they're ahead of you, maybe they're below you. Um, but I can say after two years on the cruise, uh, for me, I feel closer to a lot of the people that I, I spent time with there than than anyone else I've known in the industry for twelve years. Just that proximity of being able to do real life with some with some people instead of just business goes a long way. Um, you know, and a chance that like whenever I see them at conferences or I see them at different stuff, it feels like like we're family. So. Mm-hmm. I highly encourage anybody that's, you know, maybe got a smaller community. They're in a city like Kansas City doesn't have a big Amazon community. I have to travel to go to stuff and to kind of be around other people doing what I'm doing. Um, there's brands here and there's some individual sellers, but there's not a big community. So to anybody listening, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. And if not, you can get them on the AM podcast, AMPM podcast, uh, for free all the time and, and hear a lot from Kevin King. But um, it's going to be an awesome event. I've heard I've heard about it for years. So. Kevin, uh, I could go on with you forever, you know, picking your brain, uh, you know, learning from you, what you've done, what you're doing. Um, and we, we just got into a little bit about the, the NFT project and the, and the eco-friendly project. I know you're doing a lot. Um, but usually I sign off by asking uh, a, a question. One, what's something you're working on professionally or not with the NFT one that you're excited about? Uh, and then what's something that you're um, maybe focusing on or doing as Kevin uh, on a personal level? uh, in 2023 that you're, you're kind of focused on, or you're excited about whether that's mindset or traveling or trips or, or whatever, something, something about the business and something personal.
1: Well, something on the business side is, uh, that I'm stoked about right now is during a uh, seller con, which is happening, uh, January 1st to the 3rd in Austin. It's uh, the amazing.com guys, thousand plus people, e-com guys coming to it. Mostly Amazon people. I'm hosting a party one night, uh, but we're doing a, we're doing it. It's called a, uh, circus of dreams. And so we're actually setting up this warehouse like an Arabian Nights type of thing. We have all these uh, gypsy type of uh, performers coming. They're doing f- uh, fire breathing and juggling and magic tricks and all this stuff. So it's going to be a very interactive kind of party for about 200 people during that. So I'm pretty, business-wise, I'm stoked about that. It's to promote Billion Dollar Seller Summit and just to get my name out there and pr- to give back, Have have people have something that, the next day, there's going to be FOMO. People that didn't go, they're like, oh, man, I heard about this kick-ass place. You know, just, I, lo- I love creating experiences for people. That's one of the things that I, I really love to do is, and I'm willing to spend money. when you know, My buddy, he can't afford to go eat at a nice restaurant because he can't afford it. He doesn't make enough money. I'm like, screw it, dude. I'll pay the 300 bucks. Just come. Have the experience. And so yep. I, I'm about giving experiences. To me, life is about the experiences you have and the people you meet. That's all that matters. It's not how much money you have. Those are the two things that matter. And so everything I do is around that. Uh I try to kind of put around that 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 goal, so that's the business side on the personal side I've been um <clears throat> losing a lot of weight um and so one of my big goals I work out three I have a trainer that works me it comes to my house three times a week I have a chef that's cooking all my meals uh I do therapy every two weeks I have a therapist even though I don't have any like issues uh you know mental issues or whatever just to talk and to challenge me you know he'll challenge me on different things. Uh, I do uh, massage weekly. Uh, I do some acupuncture and chiropractic. Um, I, I, so uh, I have a concierge doctor that, that I use, you know, I'm really on top of all the, the, the tech stuff, you know, uh, from measuring your blood sugar to whatever I do. Uh, I do full body scans. To, to, it's called DEXA scans to see, you know, how much fat you have around your heart and whatever. It's like, you know, full x-ray of the body all that kind of stuff. So on a personal level, that's one of my, my, my big goals is to actually, I, mean, I, w- I want to live uh, another 30 or 40 years. I still got more to do more to give back. So i got to make sure take care of the health. So that's, and a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, that goes to the wayside. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's, that's been important to me. And then I'm going to be doing a little bit more travel um, as well uh, this year, just for fun, uh, just uh, to have a good time. Well, uh,
0: me and you are very aligned, Kevin, uh, in all those things. Like I live my life, uh, f- about people and experiences. Um, you're going to, you know, if you ever ask me what's coming up, what do you, what are you doing, Drew? I'm, I'm going to a show or a, or a festival or traveling to a city. If it's not for Amazon, it's usually for music. And I'm usually bringing a friend or two along because, uh, you know, you can experience all the things in the world by yourself. It's not that I can't be alone. I just love, ex- you know, sharing and experiencing that with other people. Um, You know, getting to see them light up the first time they've been somewhere or seen something or experienced something is very unique. Um, And I don't have kids, so I, I, you know, invest in my friends and my relationships and things like that. That's that's awesome. um, And and then secondly, on a personal level, uh, you know, for me, even even massage has been a way to deal with with stress of growing a business, growing an agency, running a big team. Um, You know, I think that personal health is like. Just very high up there. Uh, you know, I, I had a couple injuries this last year, but a big goal of mine too is is um, you know, I'm back in the gym four times a week. Uh, you know, I am uh, working on diet and um rehabbing my hand and my my foot, which I broke. Um, you know, just trying to stay like uh what's the point of having all the money in the world or or all the things in the world if you can't enjoy them? Because you can't exactly you can't hike that mountain or you can't walk the beach or whatever that is. So um absolutely love that. And one more time just for me. Uh, the event in Austin. Um, can you, can you get those
1: dates again? The SellerCon? Yeah, seller uh, yeah, it's, January, June 1st to the 3rd. I June think their website's the sellercon.com. It's, it's a big, they, they used to do, they're the guys that started, you know, this whole industry, amazing.com. Uh, and they, they kind of disappeared in 2019 for a while because the, some of the partners went their separate ways. And the, the main guy, Matt, who started it all, kind of got sidetracked with a big Shopify project. They grew this coffee company to like 35 million a year. But now they're coming back, so they're going to be talking a lot of omni-channel stuff as well as Amazon. Uh, I and love they that. Have a, they have a huge list and a uh, a huge uh, audience, so I think it's you're going to have some old OG guys and a lot of new people there. It should be a good mix and a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Thanks. To, thank you, hustlers, for for
0: tuning in and listening with us today. Thanks to our sponsor, FullSkill.io. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let FullScale help. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, then let the platform match you up with a fully vetted, high-experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. They specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Kevin, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, all the value and sharing your time with us. I really appreciate having you on.
1: Yeah, it's been great here, man. We'll have to do this again sometime.
0: Okay, we'll see you next time, hustlers like we do it.